We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is take three we're trying to record. We are now recording on Tuesday morning. Scott, we had a couple technical difficulties, I think with Skype last night, Monday night, but hopefully this goes smoothly. Yeah, definitely had some uh, technical issues. We tried two times last night and uh, didn't work. So hopefully Skype has shaped itself up and is back to normal and we can actually record things. So yeah, man, how's your uh, how's your morning? How's your Tuesday starting? 
Uh, Tuesday's been okay. Monday Monday was better. I was feeling good last night, ready to record. Um, I'm trying to wake up this morning to give everybody a nice show. <laughs> um, but it's Christmas week. Um, I know you're going home to New Jersey, but um, anything else planned for the weekend? Well, we're going to see Star Wars. That's a big deal. Uh, Saturday night, so we're going to go and see the 3D IMAX version of that. But no, I'm excited. I'm excited to to hang out with the family for you know, almost a week and uh, get some good time in with my, my brothers and sisters, my mom and my, my two, my two nieces. So it's always a lot of fun. Nice. I saw star Wars this weekend. It was very, very good. Uh, I was very pleased with it. It, it made me totally forget about the prequels, which is nice. Um, I have no complaints, very fun movie. So I think you'll enjoy it. Good, good. That's, that's good to hear. Um, no more, no like random Jar Jar Binks characters. Nope. None of that. Ruin the movie. All of the, all of the new characters they introduced, the the people as well as the the other weird characters, or whatever, were all very good. J.J. Um, Abrams killed it. Uh, the the thing is, because I I was watching some interviews with him, he's like a Star Wars nerd, right. so he wasn't gonna make this crap, you know, sort of. He wasn't gonna make a crappy movie like the prequels, um, which I think is very very good. He set it up for a nice uh, nice trilogy here. Good. No, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad they kept with like the more of the old school type character, even if they're funky. You know what I mean? Like, just keep it within the constraints. I think that I don't know what those constraints are. It's just, I guess it's the eye test and the ear test for me when I'm watching it. But half those half those characters in the in the newer movies just didn't pass those eye tests. So it wasn't even just the characters, though. It was the it was the story itself. I mean, yeah. they're talking about like trade federations and and all that crap. It's like I'm not going to watch a Star Wars movie to hear about taxes on trades. So. Yeah, George Lucas really fell on his face there, but but good. Um, so, like I said, Christmas week we're we're almost coming into the new year. I've already mailed it in this year. Uh, I'm done with 2015. Looking forward to 2016, uh, but I'm just sort of coasting. I'm on autopilot right now. Yeah, I have some things I got to finish up today, but just pretty much going to be you know getting ready for. Um uh, for going for Christmas to my sister's place, we're going to be in Princeton this year. She moved from Brooklyn to Princeton, so that's uh, that'll be a different a different setting. Uh, we're usually at my mother's house up in Mawa, um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the as far as as far as the year, I mean, yeah, there's pretty much uh, you know I think a lot of people mail it in after Thanksgiving what we talked about, but we've um, we're I'm ready to ready to go on to 2016 at this point. And so is Mattingly, if you can hear her crying I, in the I background. Can, I can hear her, yes. <laughs> um, so later in the show, we're going to do Yankees Christmas wish list, as well as some airing of grievances for Festivus. But before we get to that, we got to talk about what is maybe the craziest live TV moment that I can remember. And that was the Miss Universe ending. Did you see this thing with Steve Harvey? I mean, I saw the social media stuff. Yeah, yeah, I saw I mean, the I, stuff that they wanted me to see. Yeah, I knew you weren't watching live. <laughs> I wasn't watching live because I didn't even know Miss Universe was on that night. Um, but yeah, so if anyone does not know, Steve Harvey announced the wrong winner. He announced Miss Columbia as the winner instead of Miss Philippines. It was a whole big thing. He had to then come back five minutes later after the celebrations was already going on and take the crown off of Miss Columbia and put it on Miss Philippines. I don't know about you, but I the thing that that um, is most painful for me to watch is awkwardness. I can watch in movies people getting killed or or anything like that. The gore does not bother me, but but 
awkwardness really bothers me for some reason. And that was one of the most awkward moments I can ever remember on TV. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm on the other side of the fence. Like, yes, it looked awkward because I feel like it was meant to feel awkward because I think it was all fake. Personally, <laughs> I think that who in, who in the hell is watching Miss Universe or Miss America or any of these pageants anymore? I don't know who does besides all those crazy parents who put their kids in pageants. And Steve Harvey's a perfect guy to 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 you know carry that out smoothly. And you know, even when the the when you look at the clips, like the girl from the Philippines. She just looked like she was acting. I don't know, like it was like a bad soap opera or something. You know what I mean? Like she's a completely like C-level actress and and that was the exact reaction I was getting. So I don't know. I think they accomplished what they do. We're talking about it. Social media got a field day with it. Steve Harvey even sent out an, uh, a tweet afterwards <laughs> yeah. and misspelled Columbia and Philippines <laughs> and got even more, got even more uh, people mad about it. And I think that was awesome PR stunt. Steve I think Harvey. Your agency made it made out like a bandit on this. Steve Harvey, as you said, is the perfect person to do all that because it's almost like they could hire him and be like, he'll mess up anyway. So it's not really a big deal if he messes up, but but yeah, Steve Harvey, what does he what does he have to lose? He's just trying to get ratings. Um, totally agree. One yeah, thing, he's a comedian. He what does he care? One you know thing, what I mean? Like that's the type of thing he, he could do with no problem. Absolutely. So one thing people I saw a lot of was like, oh my god, poor Miss Columbia. How is she ever going to recover for this? This is the best thing that's ever happened to her. <laughs> right. That's true. If, if yeah, it, she would have lost and no one would even know who Exactly. She no one would be talking about Miss Columbia today if she had just lost and came in second. Instead, everyone's talking about Miss Columbia. So so she's made out very, very well in all this. So is this the Trump factor? Could be. Could be. This is the first year Trump is not involved in the, in the pageant. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, uh, I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is just is just for show and I think they did a great job. Good good job, I mean, producers. Good job, PR agency. Good job, Steve Harvey. You guys killed it. I can't wait for the 30 for 30. Yeah, right? <laughs> Get to the bottom of it. It is confusing, though, if you because I, I saw a picture of the cue cards, and it's like third runner-up, uh, second runner-up, first runner-up, winner. It, I know, but that's the way it always is. I know it's that's the way it always it's is. Al- it's always been confusing if you don't listen to it close. Steve so. Harvey, what does Steve Harvey know? I guess. I mean, I don't know. You know, they probably re- they probably went through that, like the the name, the, not the actual names, but you know, practicing it for however many times. That's. I just think it's all fake. <laughs> There's no way he messes that up. And it made for good TV, regardless. Yeah. Uh, some more good TV recently over the weekend was the NFL. Um, your Jets squeaked out against the the just tremendously talented Kellen Moore on Saturday night. <laughs> Uh, really, really got past the the juggernaut Cowboys there. I watched that game because it was the only one on. And uh, as soon as Kellen Moore came in the game, I'm like, all right, here, here's the Jets. They're gonna get you know, fumble recovery, couple pick sixes, and this thing's gonna be over. But the Cowboys put up a hell of a fight on Saturday. I mean, Kellen Moore did throw three interceptions, but the it's it, when you're looking at who he came in for. Matt Castle is just just not an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's just awful, and he's a statue. Okay, if Matt Castle's not an NFL quarterback, quarterback, what is Kellen Moore? He's apparently he's a, a better Warner, option. He's a yeah. Pop Warner quarterback. He's, but he's better. I mean, he's better running that offense. At least he can throw the ball with a little bit of accuracy. Matt Castle can't make a throw. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Which which leads me to believe the you know just just gives me that much more respect for the machine that that Belichick has run with the plug and play machine that he has that actually takes away from Brady's legacy a little bit. But you know it's it's really it's it's telling quite a bit. On on what Belichick has has built. Are you up. referring to the season in which Brady was down and Castle won eleven games? 
Yeah, that would be the season I'm referring you to. The one where he also, actually looked like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so they didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah, I know it's gonna be this very similar thing to what happens to the Jets this year, unfortunately. But everyone looks back at that Patriots season and is like, "Oh my god!" You know, it's like, "Oh, it's Brady is is just a cog in the machine," and obviously he is, but he's the most important cog. And the Patriots went 11 and five, but didn't make the playoffs. They didn't even beat a team that made the playoffs that year. They played six games against teams that ended up making the playoffs, and they lost all six. So I think it was a little smoke and mirrors with that team that year. I mean, I don't remember any of that. No one in New York remembers any I've of that. I've had this Everybody argument just, a billion times. It sounds like you have, because <laughs> you were ready for some ammunition. Every Everybody just remembers Matt Castle stepping in and winning 11 games. That's that's what they remember. And Matt Castle got paid. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. So, you know, I don't know. He was he was completely inept. I mean, it, he looked awful. It would have been, the, the score would have been worse, I think, if he had stayed in the game with the way that the Jets were coming after him. So, Kellen Moore at least had a little bit of elusiveness, and he actually was more accurate and stayed in the pocket and threw the, threw the he just, he looked better overall. So, so, I was looking at some stats, and the Jets have a 19% chance to make the playoffs. Um it, it, the the best way for them to make it is they need to win out and KC or Pittsburgh needs to lose a game, which is totally possible. It's totally possible, but I'm pretty sure... I have to look at the schedule, but I, I thought... I think they're playing the same teams from what I remember. I think it's Cleveland and um, and then Baltimore. or They had two of the same teams, so I think Cleveland and Baltimore are in there. It's just not looking good. <laughs> especially, not because, looking good. especially because the Jets have to play the Patriots this upcoming week. I'm not well, saying, I think that's, you our, know, that's our better chance, though. I mean, I think we have a better chance of, of beating the Patriots this week than Pittsburgh has to lose to Baltimore or Cleveland. I just don't think that's so happening. So Pittsburgh's playing Baltimore. I know Baltimore's terrible, but, but that's a pride issue with Baltimore. They're not going to let the Steelers come into their house and walk all over. But they don't. Have, they're all. They're they're completely injured. They don't have anybody. I know, who's, but who's worth a damn anymore? You, who cares? You've seen teams that that are injured and look dead that play play up to the competition because it's a it's a bitter rival. Dude, Jimmy Clausen's their quarterback. <laughs> okay, Jimmy Clausen. All right. Yeah, and the the Pittsburgh offense right now is operating unstoppable, yeah. and they don't even have Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, no, there's no chance. Kansas City has to lose. And I, I don't know how that's going to – I mean, I could see them losing just because they're Kansas City and Alex, I could see Alex yeah. Smith putting up a dud. But Andy Reid Andy will make a stupid decision with two minutes to go in the game. Yeah, that's very possible. So that's, I think that's our best shot is that we got to win out and then Kansas City has to lose. Yeah. Um, Giants are also in a, in a much worse situation than the Jets to make the playoffs. I thought they were dead, but it turns out they have like an 8% chance. Um they need to win out, and the Redskins need to lose out. But there's a lot of trickiness because the, the Redskins play the Eagles, and the Giants play the I think play the Eagles and the Redskins or something like that. So it's a lot of weird things going on with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, do you even really want to make the playoffs at this point? This is a, it's been just a terrible season. Let's just put your heads down, and get a good draft pick, <laughs> and, and now move Odell on. Odell's not even playing this weekend. Well, he's appealing it on Wednesday, so we'll see if the appeal gets gets uh, heard and, and, and seen. What are your thoughts on that whole situation? I mean, I think he should have been tossed out of the game when he when he uh, turned himself into a, a missile and, and went after uh, Norman in the head. Granted, I, I understand, like, you, you catch the second guy, and there was a... But they were both slapping helmets the whole game. I mean... If you're gonna throw both of them out, fine. But you know there should have been there should have been an ejection. It went it went too far. Did you, did you hear what Francesa said about it? I heard he was, he was embarrassment an embarrassment. He's a for disgrace. The He's a disgrace to the organization. Disgrace yeah. to the city. Disgrace to his teammates. Disgrace to humanity. 
Yeah, and he said something about how he ru- he he tarnished yeah. he tarnished um, Tal- uh, uh, Coughlin's, Coughlin's legacy. legacy. Yeah, yeah. I-, I don't know about all that, but yeah, uh, I mean, Frances is not known to to over exaggerate, so that's very out of character for him, right? But I agree, Odell deserves the suspension. Everyone who's complaining about it. I mean, with the way the NFL has been the last few years, you can't target the head like that and not get suspended. It's just that's just the way we are. That's the way the league is right now. I mean, the play was over. He launched himself yeah. at the guy's head. It was a total. Uh, it was a total temper tantrum type move. He, he was. He couldn't control his emotions. Yeah. yeah. And, and I really wish he had been tossed out of that game because this this leads me to to one of my festivist grievances because um, he scored. I don't know. He put up like 15 or 12 points in the fourth quarter, maybe 15 points in the fourth quarter against me. And it was just completely, completely unwarranted. And it led, led to my demise by less than one point. Still mad about this. <laughs> um, oh, the, the black bat situation. How he, he was he's saying that the the Panthers intimidated him pregame with a black bat taunting him on the field. Sounds personal. That sounds personal. Why why did you get intimidated by something that they do every single game? They bring it, these out every game t- talking about like bringing the wood. It's, totally it's, a backtracking move on Odell. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's well, ridiculous. what did they what did he think he was gonna do? He was gonna get hit over the head with a bat? <laughs> like on the in the middle of the field for th- for hundreds of people to watch? It's like yeah. come on, use your head, Odell. Not, not don't use your head to target people though. Um, fun fact about the Giants though, you want to hear this? 2007, the Giants faced the undefeated Patriots and lost 38 to 35. In 2011, the Giants faced the undefeated Packers, lost 38 to 35. 2015, the Giants faced the undefeated Panthers and lost 38 to 35. Oh, that's, that's and weird. as you know, in 07 and 11, they won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, that's not gonna happen this year. Not gonna happen this year, but. It's just weird how things like that happen. Yeah, like strange. I know it's like you can pick out anything and make it tie to something else. It's really all in context because what happened to all the other games they lost and all the other games they won by margins that weren't that the or the scores that weren't the same. But it is weird how that stuff kind of happens. Yep. Um. All right. So, uh, should be a good weekend of football. Definitely looking forward to to the playoffs. I think it's going to be going to be good. But um. You ready to talk some Yankees? Ready to talk some baseball? Let's do it. I know we're we're, we're kind of we have uh, very very few new things in the Yankees organization. A couple a couple things have come out, so um, you know I'm excited to to hear more about what Baseball America thinks about our farm system. Yeah, no no real news as far as transactions or anything like that. But but I mean this is a slow time. Uh, the winter meetings just ended. Um, there are still a lot of big free agents out there, but I don't really expect the Yankees to be in on any of those guys. You know. Cespedes and Upton and all those guys. But um, Fangraphs put out a player projections. Uh, it was, a, it was a actually a very interesting article. Um, I think I retweeted it, but uh, definitely check it out if you have not read it. Uh, it sort of projects all of the players on the Yankees, their stats, and as well as their war and all that kind of nerdy baseball stuff. But I did take out a couple of things of note that I want to talk about. Um, they basically said straight out right field is the Yankees' weakest position. I mean, Beltran had a pretty good offensive year, but, I mean, a traffic cone would have been better in right field than he was last year. They actually, uh, one nugget I took out of it was they said that Ref Snyder has experience in the minors in the outfield, 
and his and college and college and his range project, projects to be league average in right field if the Yankees wanted to go that route as sort of a fifth outfielder behind Hicks. Um, it actually kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Well, you know, I, I, I like the fact that. Well, first of all, this is fan graphs. This has nothing to do with the New York Yankees. And no. I, do I think the New York Yankees are going to do any of this? Probably not. Do I think it's a, a probably a, an interesting idea? Yeah, because one, we talked about this, and you you really hit the hit the nail on the head as far as the value of Ref Steiner right now in the Yankees organization as a second baseman. And the the value is he's a Triple A second baseman. And what is the value for him on other teams? Well, it's he's valuable, but at the same time, the Yankees are at a uh, you know, at a disadvantage as far as bargaining and negotiating because they have very clearly a second baseman in the major leagues for years to come. So, to me, making Riff Snyder more uh, more of an asset by playing other positions and making him more flexible defensively only just increases his value. So, and I think this is this could be a good move organizationally, and he actually could contribute at, at a at a certain level in the major leagues if he had that versatility. So. You know, I think it's a – the guy's an athlete. We, we know that. The guy's extremely athletic and, and to me could, could probably play a number of positions, you know, if you were given time and, and you know, put into like a Zobras-type role defensively. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's something definitely interesting and I, I hope they look at it. I've, I'm under the impression that if you're a Major League Baseball player who's not a catcher or not like a big lumbering guy, you can play a league average right field. Sure. It, and, you know, there's some parks maybe where you'll get exposed, like Fenway, where right field has all those angles and it's gigantic. Right. But but Yankee Stadium right field, you, you tell me Ref Snyder couldn't play a league average defense? Certainly better than what Beltron gave him last year. And we, I think, are in agreement that Ref Snyder could give them a, at least league average, if not better, production offensively. So, yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, his value in AAA is nothing to the Yankees because it's going to be very, if he goes in and hits in AAA, what does that really do to his trade value? N- not really much. And what does it do for his value to the Yankees? Absolutely nothing. So the Yankees should put him, you know, try and find some at bats for him at the major league level. See if he can hit. If he can, that helps you. And also maybe a team, like you said, will want to trade for him. Well, not even – I mean, I wouldn't even say at the major league level at that point even. You know, and I'm fine if he's, you know, totally – if he starts in AAA. But let's move him around in AAA. Get him that get him that experience in the field at least in AAA so that he's familiar with, you know, going one game at second base, one game in right field. And, and just having him, him play those different positions to see how he reacts. Exactly. Because um, what, every good, day. what good is him getting more reps at second base in the minors if he's not going to eventually be the second baseman in the Bronx? And he's not going to be. That's, exactly. that's pretty clear at this point. Right, right. No, I, I totally agree with that. And and I think, you know, and that just kind of goes to the fact of, of uh, um, this is a little off topic with Ref Snyder, but I, I think the exact same thing with Greg Bird. I think Greg Bird could absolutely play a league average right field. I mean, the guy's an athlete. He was a third baseman. He plays first base. There's no reason why, um, unless he's just completely god-awful in the outfield, um, which I have, a, I have a hard time believing that. I, I think he's a baseball player, and I feel you could stick him in, in right field, and he could be um, better than Carlos Beltran, which isn't saying much. I know that. But still, this is the same type of thing I'd like to see the Yankees be a little bit more creative with their young guys defensively. So I agree with that, but here's my one counterpoint. It's that Greg Bird will be the Yankees' starting first baseman in 2017. So do you really want to 
mess around with his position for one season when you project him to be full-time first base for a long time starting next year? Yeah, because I don't really think it it, it messes with him. Okay. I mean, he could he I mean, get all the practice reps as much as he wants, I, you know. So I, I don't I don't think that messes with him. I I definitely I agree with you. That, I was just trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. I, but some people actually think that they're like, well, then you're going to ruin him as a first baseman. This is no. not the same thing as putting Jabba in the starting rotation and then taking him out and putting him in right. the bullpen in the middle of the season. This is a totally different thing. That's actually training your arm to do a certain thing, whether it's you know come out and fire 100 miles an hour for one inning or throw low 90s for six seven innings. It's a totally different thing. It's a different mentality so no i think position players have a lot more flexibility as far as getting developed in different positions especially first base and right field yeah exactly i know they're not in the you know one's an infield one's outfield but really come on (laughs) we're talking about two of the easiest positions on the field right um okay another thing that i found very interesting was that they project batances and miller to give the yankees a combined four wins so four war which is more than any baseball total in baseball, any bullpen total in baseball, which goes to show you how how value Batances and Miller are. If you were to trade Miller, that really brings down that value for the Yankees. Absolutely. And, you know, again, we've, we've spoken about this. I think the only reason that Miller's name is out there is just to float it. And basically Cashman saying, look, if someone's (coughs) going to talk to me about Miller, I'm going to see what they have to say. And that's really all it was. You know, if, if there was a King's Ransom that was brought to them, like something unbelievable, then Cashman would at least be in a position to hear that and make a make a, a move that's best fitting the New York Yankees long term. So I, I don't think they're going any, he's going anywhere, especially after what we saw with with um, Andrew or uh, with Warren going and with uh, Justin Wilson going. I, I, don't, I just don't see them taking that huge of a cog out of the bullpen with those two guys gone. I mean, Batances and Miller are their only two bullpen guys that we know what they're going to give them everybody else is a question mark right now yeah so uh, you know i I definitely see us going into the season with that back end and and, you know especially i mean not only not only that you know we don't know there's so many unknowns in the bullpen and and there were a lot of unknowns going into last year as well to to be fair but we had made moves for some of these guys Uh, but there's a lot of unknowns in the starting rotation as well which makes that back end so much more important and speaking of depth, the article talked about how the starting and or the pitching depth on the Yankees is their weakness, but the positional player uh, depth is actually a strength of theirs. They project all of the uh, bench players or role players like Bird, Hicks, Sanchez, Judge, if he actually played on the major league level, could give them a one to two wins above replacement if they got regular playing time, which goes to show you that they do have depth on their positional player roster. But the pitching staff is extremely top-heavy. We just talked about Patances and Miller. Then it's all question marks. The Yankees have Tanaka and Severino, who they both project to, to be pretty good. But then the rest is all question marks. So we already know Cashman's been looking for controllable starting pitching, but it really is an issue for this team next year. Yeah, and you know, as far as the guys that are still out there... You know, available in free agency, they're they're dwindling down. I mean, you're looking at, I think uh, Mike Leake, who's been uh, rumored again. Uh, he was just recently in the news, I think yesterday, about you know his his market heating up a little bit more. And then you know the Scott Casimir. So there there's not a lot of options out there right now. 
You know, I think Cashman has been going at this as he's going to get his guys via trade. That's that's been very apparent. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know what he's looking at in that regard. But there's definitely a move that needs to be made in in the starting rotation because the, like you said, the depth isn't good, and there's just a lot of guys with coming off of injuries that are just complete uncertainties, uncertainties coming in going into 2016. Absolutely, if everything breaks well for the Yankees, it could be fine. But as we know, it never. Everything never breaks right. Something especially in the wrong. pitching staff. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just the Yankees thing. It's a, everybody has injuries in the in the pitching staff. Nobody mm-hmm. goes five deep for thirty starts. It just is impossible. Um, George King, who writes for the I think the Daily News, wrote that Sanchez is definitely the front runner to be the backup to McCann, and he could actually play more of a a role than even a backup, which I know we mentioned and would like to see. Um. The really only thing standing in his way is Sanchez because there's nobody else that that could. Roman, but but if Sanchez plays even okay in spring training, I think he's going to get the job. The only way Sanchez doesn't get the job is if he totally stinks in spring training. Yeah, I think he's got the job. Uh, definitely, he's on track to get this job because. You know, the, the kind of the bird rule that we talked about as far as rotating these guys and getting getting a lot of, um, you know, uh, the Teixeiras, McCann's, Beltran's, some DH time and, and getting the bats in there. I think Sanchez could play that exact role as well by just sliding into catcher more often if he is, you know, a guy who has proved or is proving that he can play on the major league level on a, on a more consistent basis. That could get McCann some time at first base, which I know that the Yankees are going to start looking at at some point because uh, I do see McCann, you know, going back and forth to first base and DH at some point, um, especially when Teixeira's not here. I could, I could absolutely see him doing that. So, so yeah, I think that Sanchez definitely gives more flexibility or provides more flexibility for the Yankees, kind of like the way that we think Bird can as well. So, yeah, and I know you alluded to the prospects. Baseball America released the Yankees' top prospect list this week, and Sanchez was number two on that list. So he's definitely thought of highly in the organization and around baseball. So, well, and, and coming off that hot that hot uh, performance out in Arizona in the fall league, yep. uh, you know, his stock is not, it could not be higher. So that's, that's something to definitely look at. And honestly, like that's still, don't forget that that's a huge chip in cash with the pocket still right now that, that he's getting a lot of love through, through the media, through what his performance was through baseball America now. So, you know, he's not going to get any higher than this as far as, as, uh, as value and prospects. So, so let's talk about that prospect list. I was actually surprised. I expected Judge to be number one, but he wasn't even number two. Uh, Sanchez was number two. Number one was Jorge Mateo, who we've we talked about with Pinstripe Prospect, and they he he was very high on him. And I know uh, Mateo was untouchable at the trade deadline, and that kind of took us by surprise because it's like this is a shortstop who's so low in the organization. What do we really know about him? But he seems to be on the on the rise pretty quickly. Yeah, they love the guy. The guy has a, a you know a ridiculous amount of speed. Uh, he knows the base paths extremely well. He can you know he, he's he's a, he's a prolific base stealer. I mean that's that's very apparent. Um, Where is he going to play? I don't know. I don't know. I still don't. I'm not convinced that the Yankees believe that DD is going to be their their absolute future at shortstop. You know, I could see that uh, a move being made there at some point if Mateo shows, you know, improves to be the guy that they think he's going to be. Um, because I think he they, he projects as a better player long term, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, you know, there, it was an interesting listing. Gary Sanchez definitely bumped himself up with that fall performance. 
Yeah, so it goes Mateo number one, Sanchez two, Judge three. Um, and then the rest is guys that we've heard a little bit about, you know, Caprolin, uh, is that how you say his name? James Caprolin, uh, the pitcher. Um, and he then, was just drafted too. That's a pretty big rise for a kid that was just drafted. Yep. Um, and then uh, n- number six is a, a pitcher who I have never heard of named Rookie Davis, but it's a great baseball name. He's been playing really well too. He had a good season this past year. And, uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's the other thing you're looking at as far as the depth move. You were talking about how the depth of the starting pitching is an issue with the Yankees. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why Cashman made that move for Justin Wilson to bring in two more guys that can contribute on, uh, you know, with the pitching staff um, and, and project themselves as starting pitchers. So, and Rookie Davis is another guy that, that we're seeing uh, in, that, in that spot. So, we're, you know, we're seeing... Some depth, but it's just not, I don't think, major league ready yet. Oh, definitely. A lot of these guys are lower in the system. Uh, not many at AAA level, which is fine, though. I mean, their their system was de- decimated for a decade. So it's being slowly built back up. Uh, three shortstops appeared on the top ten list, and that doesn't even include Kyle Holder, who was their first-round pick this past year. So a lot of middle infield depth. A lot of middle infield depth, which is good because it gives us flexibility, uh, I think, with trade chips as well. Um, you got some really hard throwers in there. Uh, Domingo Acevedo is a, a real hard thrower. I could see him uh, showing up in a bullpen somewhere, uh, possibly in the Bronx. I mean, as early as 2016, really. Uh, he's a guy that you can't ignore. And um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely some – you know, the other thing is we're not seeing the guys on here, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the highly touted guys that have come along a lot – Further along and are in AAA, um, the Mason Williams, um, the the Keith Cots. You know, I don't know if Baseball America still considers them prospects because of their major league time, um, but those are guys that we're not even seeing on this list, but are still there as valuable assets. Absolutely, and I and I actually well, uh, I expect one of those guys to to get some outfield time for the Yankees this year. Yeah, I think I think Slade Heathcott probably has the the inside track on that. Did they um, trade Mason Williams, or is he gone, or is he still on the team? No, he's definitely still on the team. Okay. Um, all right, so you ready to get into a Christmas wish list for the Yankees? Yeah, let's do it. So we put out the question on Twitter. Uh, a couple people responded um, with what they'd like to see the Yankees do uh, in the in the time between now and the start of the season. Slugger Bro says spend two hundred million dollars. Which the only reason I bring this up is because. I actually really do not want to see that happen, and I don't think you do either. No, I'm I'm happy with the the direction that the Yankees are going right now, and you know I don't want to see them make any giant splashes for some some guy we're going to regret having in three years. So no, I'm happy with what's happening. I mean, the Yankees are losing so much off their books over the next couple of years with Tex, A Rod, uh, CC, Beltron. Um, do not put yourself in a hole. I know the free agent class was was very, very good this year, but none of the guys really fit 100% on this team. Nobody was a, was a glaring, you know, it, it's like, could, would David Price have been amazing and uh, great for the starting rotation? Obviously, but did they really need to spend $200 million to get David Price? Absolutely not, so... Definitely do not want to see them get themselves in a hole any more than they already are. Um, Joey Z. McFly says, how about Carlos Carrasco or Danny Salazar? Bro, I going to put a, in a wish list for 2018, get me Harper. So, yes, Harper 
could be on the docket for a couple years from now. But Carrasco and Salazar definitely piqued my interest. I know there was the whole that Brett Gardner uh, trade rumor with one of those guys a couple weeks ago. But um, yeah, either of those would be tremendous for this team. I think I think those are two guys that they're definitely looking at as far as a trade, because one the the Cleveland Indians definitely seem like they're they're ready to deal. They've been talking with a bunch of teams about these two guys specifically, and you know as far as what we have as far as a trade chip, I think we're positioned well to get one of two of these, you know, either one of these guys. Even if it's not Brett Gardner, I think our minor league system could actually uh, pull off a trade like that. So, yeah, I, you know. They're, they're both – Carlos Carrasco is, a, is an eating an innings eater. He's, he had a really good season last year. Danny Salazar probably has a little bit more upside. Um, you know, a couple of years ago he was he's probably – He's also younger. He's younger. He's one of the higher – you know, one of the highly touted prospects coming into the league. Uh, he had a down year two years ago and then bounced back last year. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with either one of these guys, you know, throwing into the back of our rotation. Don VIP says he wants a right-handed power hitter and some insurance money to cover A-Rod, CC, and Teixeira. Right-handed power hitter, so that's Cast- Justin Upton right there. If you want one, well, but so Castro's right-handed. I'm not sure how much power he's going to give them, but I mean, he could hit 20 home runs. That would be probably a ceiling. Um, with you know uh, more doubles, you know, 30 doubles, which, which is technically in today's baseball a power hitting right-handed uh, player. But could we see the uh, Judgment Day come up mid-season and give them some pop? I don't know about midseason. I could see him more of a September call up. I, you know, from everything I'm hearing, he still has a lot of, uh, you know, a good amount of work to do in AAA with his swing. Um, he, he does, unless but, Belchon falls but, off the cliff. Yeah, but Greg Bird also had a ton to improve on between the start of the season and when he got called up, and we saw what he did when he came up. Right, but he came up because of injury. Uh, you know, he came up because you know there was a spot that that was was needed. So that's kind of my caveat. If we see Beltron go down and and Judge is progressing, I could definitely see it earlier. It, but if not, and, and Beltran is kind of holding down the fort offensively, because I don't expect it defensively, um, then you know I could see him being a September call-up. But I, I really think they want him to develop further in AAA. And right now, honestly, like there's really not a, a glaring spot for him at this point. So you know, I, kinda, I kind of agree with that, with that move. So what is your Yankee Christmas wish list? My Yankee Christmas list, li- wish list is to go out and sign Scott Casimir. I think Scott Casimir be- can be gotten for uh, you know, a medium-sized contract with medium years, and we don't have to give up anybody for him. And I think he fits the bill, a left-handed pitcher who comes into Yankee Stadium, fits exactly what we need right now. I, I-, I don't know why we're not really going after him more. I, I see all the rumors of, of you know, six, seven teams that are going after him, and I do not see the New York Yankees uh, in these trade rumors. So... <laughs> You know, I'm hopeful. Hopefully, uh, Brian Cashman is being a snake in the grass and can and can come up and get him because he's proved over the past couple of years that that you know he can stay healthy uh, at this point in his career and he's he's been very effective. So, I think he's a great fit for this this team. Uh, and you know, I I personally do not want to trade Gardner at this point. I think that unless we get an insane value for him, I think that you know Gardner has a lot of value on this team, and uh, I'm looking for a bounce back year from him and Ellsbury at the top, uh, creating that havoc that we saw in the first half. Last I read, Casimir is probably going to go back to Houston, but we'll see. I know he's a Houston native, but he didn't really have a great second half with them. So maybe he's discouraged by that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate Scott Casimir, but it might take three or four years, and I'm not sure they're willing to do that. I would like to see them trade Gardner for a starting pitcher because I think he's 
going to get them the biggest bang for their buck. And we also know what Brett Gardner is at this point. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's also not a 150-game-per-year player. He's probably more of a 125, 130-game-a-year player because he gets injured too much. So I would like to see... Obviously, I'd rather see Ellsbury go than Gardner, but that's just not going to happen. So sort of by process of elimination, Gardner's the best trade chip they have. And I, and I think they're, they would be better served to get a starting pitcher than they would have Gardner on the team. And you're kind of looking at that Carrasco-Salazar deal. That's kind of where your eye is? I would love one of those guys, but I'm not sure the Indians... Well, I mean, I know the Indians had an okay year last year. They were kind of, they were in the hunt, at least in the second half, for a wild card spot. But are they going to really trade for Brett Gardner, who's 32 years old? I mean, Yeah, that's, that's why I think that if that trade were to happen, it would be more of a minor league package. Yeah, Brett Gardner's a... A guy who will help you now, not in a couple years. So not really sure he's attractive to the Indians. But whoever you can get, I think you can still get a good starting pitcher for Brett Gardner plus somebody else in the minor leagues. Um, So we'll see. All right. Now for the good stuff. Airing of grievances. (laughs) Fight your father, George. What do you have to air out this, this festivist season? Okay, I had one thing last night. Now I have two things. So I will start with uh, the the one that I was going to talk about last night, and that's shaking my fist at neighborhood kids. <laughs> so I never thought I'd be get this off guy. my lawn kind of stuff. Kinda, but this one's just to me more baffling. You know, I I have a lot of tolerance. I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of kids. They're outside playing all the time. I love it. I really do. I think it's awesome that these kids are outside. They're playing wiffle ball. They're playing kickball. They're doing whatever. They're playing basketball. It's really cool. I'm glad they're outside, hanging out, and not inside. Uh, just doing whatever inside, um, and they're consistently outside. And, like, all age groups. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Like, there's kids in high school playing with kids in elementary school. They just have, like, big games. So it's it's fun to see. But but on Sunday, I was outside raking some leaves, and I saw these two kids that were uh, – first of all, there's, like, about 15 uh, – 10 to 15 kids out in the street uh, in a cul-de-sac playing basketball. Awesome. Then there's two kids in an adjacent yard – uh, it's a corner lot, and and these the, the the kids are playing basketball on the street next to the lot, and these two kids are are surrounded uh, are surra- surrounded a box that's hanging from a tree. Okay, so this box, if you can imagine, like this big like a TV box hanging, not a TV, like a square box, uh, like an old school TV box <laughs> hanging from a tree, and it's just dangling, and these two kids are around it with bow and arrow shooting at this box. <laughs> so the kids are like probably within five feet. Then they back up. They're like 10 feet. Then at some point, they're like 15 feet, and they're shooting at this box. Then at one point, one of the kids like swings the box, or they're shooting at a moving target. <laughs> they're 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 pointed at the house. Then they like they'll you know they'll walk 20, 15 feet, and they'll be pointing at the street towards all the 15 kids, you know, in that direction, so that if they miss high, you know, one of these arrows is going to go and go into the, the group of kids. And I'm, these aren't like pointed arrows, but they're like fiberglass arrows with a dull metal tip, if you can imagine what those Yeah, where's the shoot big, those things? Is this like stuff that you could buy at like Sports Authority or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's they're, they're, they're meant for recreational use. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like we used to use these in like, in like PE. I mean, I, I mean, I was in PE when we were using this stuff in like the early 90s. So yeah, you were probably in like the 50s, anymore. so. Yeah, so they probably wouldn't do it anymore, but... But I've used these things. Like they, they puncture the box, obviously. They puncture like styrofoam. So they can puncture, absolutely. And there's force behind these things. I mean, 
They'll draw blood. The new, the new Nerf guns, if you get hit in the face, hurt. But this was like a long, regular-sized arrow, fiberglass arrow, with a metal tip, okay? It's a dulled metal tip, but it's a metal tip. And the kid misses at one point, and the, and the arrow goes into my yard, which is across the street. And I'm like, dude, I'm like walking over. I'm like, I'm like what are you guys doing? Because I didn't know what they were doing at first. And they're like, oh, I'm looking for the arrow. I'm like, how did it get over here? They're like, we missed. I was like, guys, you need to be really careful. That's not a good idea to be shooting this arrow out with all these kids. They're like, oh, okay. So then I see them do over there still shooting this arrow. And they miss, they miss again. And it goes into the street. I'm like, okay, for, my first thought is, okay, kids are shooting arrow. Whatever. They're just kids. It's fine. They're kids being kids. I, don't, I really don't blame the kids. But I'm like, where, where are all these parents? Where, where, there's 30 kids out here. Where are the parents looking to see these kids shooting at a freaking dangling box in the center of a yard in all directions, shooting arrows? Arrow, these are 10-year-old kids, 10 to 12-year-old, uh, 10 to 12 years old, I'd say, shooting arrows at a box that's moving in the middle of a yard around other kids. So I go over there. I'm like, guys, let we gotta stop the target practice. This is not a good idea. And I was like, do you guys live here? Because I didn't recognize one of the kids. And they're like, and they apologize. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, the arrow could have could have gone into the street where someone was driving by. They could have shot, also- shot their eye out. They could have shot their eye out. They could have shot. I mean, that thing goes in and hits some kid in the head, and it's gonna cause damage. And there's no doubt about it. Um, I just couldn't believe my eyes. And at some point, I was like, I gotta go over there because I can't. I can't allow myself to see someone just get hurt and me not say anything. So I went over there and shut it down. They took the box down. Still no parents in sight. It was just an unbelievable occurrence to me with what was going on. I couldn't believe it. You so better. that's my grievance. The kids just being utterly ridiculous. It's more of the grievance with the parents like allowing this to happen be like, oh, yeah, sure. Go shoot the box in the middle of the yard with the arrows with, you know, 20 kids laying around. So you ruin their fun. No, I didn't ruin their fun. I saved their lives from going to juvie and no. parents getting sued. According to the, I mean, they're looking at it. You ruined their fun. So your house is now marked. You better watch That's, out for eggs I, and flaming bags been, of poop. These, these kids are in my yard all the time. So they, I have a very high tolerance for what's going on out there. And I don't, I have no problem with it. Uh, but when it comes to bow and arrow in the middle of the yard around a whole bunch of kids, and some of these kids were very young, you know what I mean? And like, Running in front of the box occasionally. They weren't shooting, but they were just they weren't paying attention. It, it was it was just a disaster waiting to happen. So I had I had to shut it down. It was, so yeah, that was my one. The second grievance that I wish to air on this Festivus of 2015 is from last night and with Ben Watson and Drew Brees. And moreover, the Detroit Lions defense. I am in the semifinals of my fantasy football league, which is the pot's like, I don't know, like sixteen hundred bucks for the winner. It's, it's, a, it's a significant pot. And I'm up by 12. I have Matt Stafford. He has Ben Watson. I'm up by 12 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter of this garbage game that nobody cares about. And what did the Detroit Lions do? They allowed Drew Brees to march down the field and only throw the ball to Ben Watson. (laughs) Ben Watson catches like six balls in the last five minutes of the game, including a touchdown from within 11 yards that seals my fate. And I lose by less than one point. Fantasy football is so stupid. It was unbelievable. I was at a point where there was like a minute 11 left. I remember looking at the clock. A minute 11 left. They're they're on the 11 yard. Maybe it was on the 11 yard line. There was a minute left. Whatever it was. No, there was two minutes left. They're on the 11 yard line. It's one point PPR. And I'm like, okay, 
I'm up by 7.5 or 7.6 at this point. I'm like, so if Ben Watson catches the ball in the end zone right now, he will have 7.1 points, and I will still win. Okay, I'm I'm looking good. So what does Breeze do? He checks down to Ben Watson on the two-yard line for a catch and a one-point PPR, which now says if you catch a touchdown, I lose. And that's exactly what happened. Hmm. That is exactly what happened, and I am now fighting for place. Yeah, that totally sucks. It's because, it, like you said, it was a garbage game. I forgot even that game was on and last night. And it was night. midnight. This was midnight yeah. last night. Um, fantasy football is like an abusive relationship with me where November, December comes around and I absolutely hate it. I need to get out. I I, I don't like it. I, I, I have stress. I'm not having fun. And when the season's over, I'm like, finally, I can just watch football and not worry about fantasy football. And then some time passes, and it gets to be, you know, the, the middle of the summer, and I'm looking at some rankings, and I'm like, oh, I can't <laughs> wait for fantasy football to come around. And I have a draft, and I'm really excited, and it's a lot of fun. And then it's just, it repeats that whole cycle, and that's what fantasy football is to me. And it's yeah. probably never going to change. But in December, it's like at a point where if you're hunting for it, like all that stress, like you want to come out with your money at least, you know what I mean? Like at least with your money, at least some I mean, bragging rights to beat your boys. Sure, but I, I've never won. Well, yeah, that's a problem. You need to taste. You need to taste the sweet ne- uh, nectar of victory, and uh, and and get that check. I've won this league before, so I know how nice it is to get you know a fifteen fifteen hundred dollar check right around Christmas. That's that's sweet. That's so a sweet Christmas present. I'm in a league. Obviously, we have our website league, but the league that I care more about. Sorry, sorry, Bronx Pinstripes. The league that I care more about is with some college, high school, uh, and high school friends, and it's ten of us. And uh, I, it's it's a keeper league. And I think this is the fifth year of the league, fifth or sixth year of the league. And I've never made the playoffs. The highest I've finished, I think, is sixth, fifth or sixth. Mm. Um, there's always stuff that happens with my team. Like last year I had Peterson and then he, you know, abused his kids and got suspended the whole year. You didn't um, see that coming? You didn't see him? <laughs> no. You didn't, so, somehow I didn't that see wasn't, that coming. That wasn't in his scouting report? No. Uh, anyway, so what I was saying is um, – one of my best friends from college, uh, she's married to uh, another one of my best friends. She has been in the league for the same amount of time, and now this is the second year she's in the finals. At, second year in a row she's in the finals, and I think the third overall in the five or six years that we've been doing this league. And she just mocks me the entire time. Every time I lose, she's just mocking me. Why are you so bad at fantasy football? Why do you make all these trades? Why do you do all this stuff? And I just sit there pulling my hair out. I want to fight back, but she's got the scoreboard on me. And it's extremely frustrating. Why, fantasy football gods? Why do you do this? Maybe you should reverse engineer her seasons and find out why she's doing this. Because apparently she's, she's got and I look at I look up. at her moves and she's got, you know how they have like the tr- number of transactions that you do? And she's got like seven and I have like 52. Solid drafting. That's what that sounds like. Solid drafting. She's she's a she's a smart one. She does her she does her homework. Yeah, she can see into the future. Also with injuries and such. Yeah, she's yeah, she's got the sports almanac from Back to the Future. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, if you need any fantasy football consulting, I'd be happy to help. You know, I mean, granted, I had a bad year in, in this one, but I mean, I was in four semifinals, so. I have tasted the sweet nectar of victory, but I'm also very, very active on the waiver wire. Yeah, I, I mean, I am too. It, and the waiver wire is, is always luck because if you have the number one spot when like 
a guy like uh, Thomas Rawls is out there or, or Devontae Freeman or something like that. It's like you luck out and then you'll all have the number one spot and there's nobody to pick up. Yeah. I try to project injuries. Like I look at a guy and look at it like if he's if he's taking a lot of carries and he hasn't he hasn't been used to it, like I'll I'll own his backup if it's a if it's a good spot to Totally. Own. I will I will too. But I mean project how how could you project Marshawn Lynch's injury? I mean the guy's been a, a a rock for his entire career. So it's just one of those things. All right, that that was good. I feel a little bit better. How about you? Yeah, I feel I do feel better now. Cause especially because Ben Watson was so so close. It happened just recently. Yeah, Frank Costanza was really onto something. I think so too. I got my pole up. You have your pole up? Now I got to get a steel pole. There you go. Festivus is uh, the twenty third, right? I'm not sure the date. Yeah, I'll probably get crushed by RJ on that one. Um, all right. Well, any uh, any last words before we get out of here? No, just, you know, if it's been a, a good year, we'll come back. You know that the day after, or the, the show after Christmas will be our 50th episode? I am aware of that, yes. And that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal to end this to end the year with uh, our 50th episode. So I'm excited for that. You know, um, I wish everybody uh, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. If you celebrate Hanukkah, wherever you're, whatever you celebrate, then Happy Holidays. Uh, have time, have a good time with your family. Um, have some have some drinks. Don't drink too much. Don't drink and drive. All that good stuff. And hopefully uh, Santa gives you everything you want. What he said. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com